electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod. Amazon gets ready for a fight with the Pentagon over a lucrative cloud contract. You think Amazon does everything above board all the time? Tech veteran Tim Armstrong on the directness of direct advertising online. The targeting is so sophisticated. What do I get? Why do I get it? When do I get it? Plus, Taylor Swift tells music execs you need to calm down and let her play her greatest hits. There's so much bad blood between these two. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Friday, November 15th, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. First up today on the podcast, Cloud Wars. Amazon strikes back over the Jedi. Amazon says that it is challenging the Pentagon's award of a cloud contract that could be worth up to $10 billion to Microsoft. It's accusing the government of what it calls deficiencies, errors, and unmistakable bias. During the bidding process, Amazon was seen as the frontrunner for the defense contract, which is known as Jedi. Back in August, President Trump said that Amazon's bid for the contract was under review after complaints by other companies. It was later awarded to Microsoft. Amazon said it would have been challenging for a U.S. agency to be objective in the contract process after the president disparaged Amazon and CEO Jeff Bezos. At a news conference today in South Korea, Defense Secretary Mark Esper rejected any suggestion of bias in that decision. I have not heard that recent claim by whoever made it with regard to the Jedi competition. Uh, Second, as you know, I recused myself from involvement uh, on the competition, but I am confident that it was conducted freely and fairly without any type of outside influence. As Esper mentioned, he removed himself from reviewing the deal because his son works for IBM, which also bid for that contract. You have looked into, both of you probably looked in, it's a very long, drawn-out story that was initiated by Oracle. And it was 13 yes. months ago. And Microsoft, 13 months ago, could not have gotten it. But they've almost got to the highest level of, of security right. now. They've also designed something that's supposedly really good. There's also a lot of criticism about the revolving door nature of Amazon's relationship with the Defense Department, which IBM and Oracle both were squawking about. I dispute any of that. I'm just saying it gives Trump the, a lot of the, cover, the, even if he did do it because of Bezos. Well, you, you definitely cannot prove the, that. The conundrum here, though, is that, there, the is that we shouldn't be even having a conversation about whether okay. somehow well, the political process right. has corrupted these government contracts. And unfortunately, that's <laughs> where we are. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. There, there's this book Maybe by we, this book, the book by Mattis, a speechwriter. It's why you don't right. want to see the president where he, disparaging it. Where he gets companies. the phone call, where Mattis gets a phone call, literally, right. from the president. And the president says on the phone, how do we screw Amazon right. out of this? Right. I mean, that's basically... But Mattis at the time said we won't do it, you but you're think, right, Mattis is not there. Do you think that if, if 
Jeff Bezos didn't want any appearance of any of these problems. Do you think it was a good idea to buy the Post in the first place? As a vanity project. As a vanity project. I think actually if you're a shareholder of Amazon, yeah. you could make the argument, if you wanted to, that the purchase of the Washington Post has made Amazon's life more complicated. That's now, at the same time, yeah. you could make the reverse argument. You could make the reverse argument that this has actually given Amazon more power, more sway, and more influence. So I could, make, I could argue this both ways in the same way I imagine okay. that the president will argue the Pentagon I'm contract telling you both that, ways. that there's so much going on. And, and to discount Sadia's, you know, Efforts I, I, here, and they've got 15% market share. Amazon's got four, whatever it is, and they're try- We know how, how no, hard they're trying, how many strides they're making. You guys you, both they, make they, valid points. The plus, problem is, is it, it would be much cleaner if we didn't have yeah. to deal with the appearance of impropriety. The other thing it, that the the Pentagon decided they're going to get a single contract. Right. It was all fragmented, right. so there's all these legacy guys like Oracle and right. IBM. They're all getting getting a piece of the pie. So they're going to suddenly they design this whole jet, I think, around Amazon because of all the Amazon employees that are now at the or, or vice right. versa, all the revolving. So that could stink to high heaven. You think Amazon does everything above board all the time? You know, I mean, you did you get talking points last night? I did not get talking points. What, I just knew what I was going to be up against. I knew what I knew what the knee jerk reaction was going to be. It's not the knee jerk reaction. It's, it's why should we have to even have a conversation. I'm about just saying that. That, uh, that Microsoft same. is a great company, and to just say, oh, immediately that they cheated because President because uh, Trump hates Amazon, that's not fair to Microsoft. It's just there, not there, fair there's, to Microsoft. There, there's on I, the I record, there's why on do the you think they didn't reporting go? <laughs> that suggested the president, by, by the okay, way, by the president on it. Twitter about his own hatred for Amazon. He does. He this does. is not. But why do you think, not why secret. did they go to the GA, why did they go to the court <clears> and not go to the GAO? where they can freeze this and not even get it's it started. It's the same thing as Elon Musk. You would be much better off if you weren't making all these comments and not putting did, out a public record. I just, why stuff. did they go to the court and not to the GAO? GAO would because not allow the implementation of this immediately. In the court, you know, that this, it's already starts. Microsoft will already start doing it. Why didn't they go to the do GAO you, if they could you really block that the GAO is truly independent? <sighs> Let me ask you that. The you reason they the didn't is because this gives them more time. Yes. This gives them more time to get their act together. Look, Microsoft has made great strides in the past 13 months. Look, I okay. give, oh, no, I agree. I agree. This 100%. is not a knock on Satya Nadella. Well, uh, t- that's how I'm taking it, and I don't think he no, deserves it. He's really steering this oh, company. You are something. That's not what this is about at all. Look, this is it is possible a, to push back against just the knee-jerk mainstream of, of everything that goes on with this guy? Can't it, this is there's a voice in the wilderness? Isn't it possible just to quid pro quo? This is actually a true business issue. For all of the things we are always talking about, conflicts of interest and how people are trying right. should be staying above board, trying to avoid even the I perception know, of a conflict. We also and live- the conundrum is you have it now with this contract. You had it around. Look, I had the interview with Macon Delrahim it last week about some of these antitrust the issues. You know, Macon doesn't want these things to be political. People, Macon Delrahim wants people to think that he is not doing anything, that he's using his his mind and his brain to make the right decisions, and yet. Well, then why did he go after Comcast after saying he thought it was a perfectly fine deal and looking like he was caving to the president on that, too? But this is the... but the point is, even if he was completely within his rights to do that, because the president is out there saying like, these things, when it, we when it, we try, it, when it, we get changes the perception, when we get pressure from our government for our guys to use Boeing, and over in Europe, all those countries yeah. pressure people to use Airbus. 
don't you just live in the real world and know that you're never going to know what goes on behind the scenes with all these things. It's the same argument with Powell, right? Does it it make it much more difficult for Jay Powell to be making decisions when the president's saying something and it looks like he's caving to his influence? It would just be easier if there wasn't so much noise. Nothing is easy with this guy. You know that. But just live in the real world and be happy where unemployment is or where the markets are. For more on what uh, Amazon is calling uh, unmistakable bias. Uh, we're going to turn to Ed Lee, New York Times media reporter and a CNBC contributor. And now it's going to be two against one. That's fine. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Uh, my only point is here, Joe. My only point is here. Here, the side of here's of what's of, uh, you're, going you're on. You're always on you're, with the New York Times, so you're always on the side of right. Uh, we're so on the side I, I understand of, of information and and, 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 and democracy in the yes. darkness and, and all truth, that crap. And truth. Um, and right. truth, and truth. truth. And look, you're, you're together, you're over there. Here's all I'm going to say. We called each other this morning and we, we sort of coordinated. Here's all I'm going to say, yeah, that right. for 13, the reason that Microsoft got to the point where they really had a competitive uh, right. product was because Oracle started this 13 months ago, complaining about it going automatically to Amazon, almost set up for Amazon. I think there was a, a- document floating around right. that said Amazon conspiracy and that somehow made it in the hands but, of but the White But there House. are a lot of Amazon employees at, at Defense Front and vice versa, the revolving door that seemed like this was set up for, for him. Plus, he already owns the Washington Post. Now he's going to move the headquarters to D.C. Okay. And, and bring 20,000 jobs in. Does he, you know, who is he? Citizen Kane? Is he going to, you know, he's William Randolph Hearst. He's going to uh, control everything in the world in terms of business and politics. Where, where he came you know, up with this I, I, angle it's, is um, it's amazing how you know. were able to tie I just think all that, that together. I just think that Sadia. I just think that Sadia should get some credit for getting up the certification six and getting it up to the point and winning it fair and square. They're they're at fifteen percent of the cloud. They're trying to go up from there versus forty okay. percent. I think you could do this whole segment on your own, Joe. You got every bit. So who who on. got to me, Sadia or Trump? Uh, you tell us. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody but the God of fairness. Got God of fairness. Okay. Don't you have Trump Ed, on speed dial? We only have a couple minutes for this segment. Yeah. Ed's got to get a word in edgewise. Go ahead, Ed. No, this, I'd love to hear Joe talk about I'd just so, like look, to preempt the, you know, the I'm not going to I'm not going to dispute that there's, you know, with these types of contracts, there's always going to be sort of trying to carry in favor. We should look at the facts, though, which is Amazon, they were the front runner largely because they already had the CIA contract, which would... Right. Went very well, and it was very comprehensive, and the security around that was actually really good. So that's where, you know... Let, let me ask. This is kind of scorched earth to, yes. to go and say, we're taking you to court. We're going to fight this by, by taking that route. Does that mean that Amazon will have a more difficult time down the road getting future contracts? I mean, it certainly doesn't, you know, make it easier for them, but I think they're probably waiting at the fact that, well, look, administrations come and go, right? This might take right. a while. The other thing to, to Administrations come and go, but GA- I wonder if this, like, infuriates all of the uh, lifelong staffers who stay at these well, levels and who make a lot of Why not the GAO, where you could block implementation? I think that's a fair, I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a fair point. Why didn't they go to the GAO and block it from even starting? Well, this way it's Because, again, it goes back to the GAO also biased. So what happens then next? Although Microsoft has decades of working. What, ki- what can happen in this case? What, what kind of well, discovery can really take place? Are you really going to find documents and emails and texts? I mean, is, it, is that even plausible? Well, so that's what's, that's the other part of the problem with is there gonna be like- this administration, which is getting these, these communicates these documents. If it went as far as, as the White House, the Oval Office, and Trump saying, well, I don't want it to go to 
Bezos, Washington Post. Well, this Matt, this Matt, I mean, this Mattis book is going to play book, into yeah. it. Exactly. Which, is, which said, may be why they're said, going to court. Right. They can get that documentation. And if that comes out, if there's enough doubt, then they could... They could How long does the, this slow down the whole process? That's the other thing. Like, no, you, that, you that's unclear to me. I don't, like, I don't really know where that might land. The other, there is a possibility that they might have split this deal right. where Microsoft got one part, Amazon got and another part. And by the way, part, if so you're that's Microsoft, what do you do? You just take the contract and, and run, and, and you just yeah, they they keep your, I think you keep your mouth shut, and they then you sort of move forward. Hey, we're halfway. We got it done. We're already in there. I would start work. That's nice. It's Just work share, on it. Right, share, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. You know, share the wealth. Microsoft's a great company. Ed, thank you. Guys you. Are... Good to see you. Cheese will be next. Coming up, the ads are coming for you. Tech veteran Tim Armstrong on digital advertising's direct hits from politics to things you didn't even know you wanted to buy. There's a slippery slope. I think the, the Twitter announcement is what's the next category that people aren't going to want to have you know, ads in. I've got some suggestions. Squawk Pod will be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, guys, we're in the deep This is Squawk Pod. Welcome back to Squawk Box. Twitter has announced a ban on all political ads ahead of the 2020 election, but questions remain about how the company will implement this new policy. Today, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey expected to provide some more details uh, before the ban goes into effect next Friday. And joining us right now for more on all of this, this large debate taking place, is Tim Armstrong, the former CEO of AOL and Oath and the founder and CEO of DTX Company. Tim has a big announcement for DTX today, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But, Tim, first I wanted to get your take on the recent back and forth over these political ads on social media and a couple of other big tech topics. Yeah, well, it's great to be here. It's great, great to, to see, see Becky and Joe here uh, as well. So where do, where do you land? Would you, if you were running uh, any of these services, would you accept political advertising right now? I think, one, uh, all the political campaigns are very good at using the Internet services in the non-paid areas. So I think um, from a consumer choice standpoint, consumers are going to get a massive amount of information. That's interesting. Um, so they're, all, they're very they're tuned into that. Anyway. Yes, so they're going to get it anyways. Right. On the advertising front, I think, you know, um, Twitter's announcement, I think, was smart uh, of the moment in terms right. of what like, probably is going to get a lot of attention for their ad program in general. You know, at Google, when I was at Google, we had a big political ad program. I'm sure they still do. And uh, I think political ads matter because it's a way for candidates to get their voice out overall. So it'll be interesting to see whether Twitter's move will have a, you know, a, a tidal wave effect. If you were Mark Zuckerberg right now, given that you're on the firing line, right. what would you do? And also recognizing that I imagine... Google is going to come out with, the, with its own policy one way or the other soon, yeah. too. Well, all of these companies have very sophisticated right. policies in these areas. Um, to be honest with you, if I were running the companies, I would, have, I would stick with my policies, tighten them down where I needed to tighten down. But you know, the advertising is one huge way of getting information out to consumers. So if you're right. a candidate that doesn't get all the press that the bigger candidates do, advertising might be your only way to get there. And as long as your policies you know, make well, sense... The question is, are there, are there better policies to be put in place? You know, Bill Gates was talking last week about this idea that it's really about the targeting that the, that's the problem. If right. you could actually get rid of the targeting. Yep. Now, by the way, if you get rid of the targeting, right. it makes it less effective. Right. 
Well, here, here's the, the larger tech issues going on right now is because the targeting is so sophisticated in general. Most people don't understand how the targeting works. Um, and I think that's leading to a lot of the questioning that's happening right now is basically if I'm a consumer, what do I get? Why do I get it? When do I get it? And I think that's the, the targeting is an issue compared to how television advertising works for political or newspapers. Right. So that's what really makes things unclear. And I've been to sort of toying with the idea that maybe Facebook and Google and others should allow some kind of toggle on, toggle off feature for users to say, I'm, so it's almost opt in. Yeah. I want to see political advertising. Yeah. I don't want to see political advertising. Yeah. And by the way, on Facebook already, Help. right now, you can say, this ad is helpful to me, or right. I don't like this ad, but and then much, don't show me more of those. But how much would that change the, the financial prospect for these companies if they were forced to do something well, if like you that? Believe, Let me opt if out you of take Mark Zuckerberg, If you take Mark Zuckerberg at his word, he's saying that political advertising is almost irrelevant from a financial yeah. perspective so the, so the, to the company. Becky, so the, maybe... Yeah, the thing to realize is that companies don't make all their money from political advertising. It's no, but I think fraction. if you were allowed yeah. to opt out of that, the eventuality would be that you might opt be forced to be allowed to yes. opt out of everything. Right. Yeah. So it is a slippery slope. I think the, the Twitter announcement is what's the next category that people aren't going to want to have, you know, ads in in general. So, I, you know... I've got some suggestions. I've got some suggestions. <laughs> By the way, Twitter, very smart announcement. I think it's probably a fraction of their revenue. Right. They've yeah. dominated the advertising right. business for the last, you know, few weeks about it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe No, I, I think for them it was a brilliant play. Yeah. It puts yeah. all the pressure on the guys who are actually making more money off yes. of this. And it may not be a big part right. of Facebook's, but I think, what did he say? It was like half of 1%. That's a lot more than the $3 million it was right. for Twitter right. in no, 2016. Yeah. But I would imagine that the bigger sort of component that Mark Zuckerberg is thinking about is not actually the dollars. He's thinking about what this will... If, if he takes advertising down completely for, yeah. for politicians... Does all of a sudden a whole class of, I mean, to the extent he's already in the target zone for regulators, does this make him a greater target? And are there much larger financial implications around whatever regulation could come as a result? Well, I think part of the reason I came today is because uh, I think they're, you know, the, the platform business, which has been amazing, and I think, you know, consumers really like it. The other thing to recognize is, although there's a lot of noise, noise in Washington, when you look at those companies' net promoter scores, consumers like those right. services. They get them for free. Um, the reality is there needs to be other alternatives outside right. of just the platforms, though, which is which what is we're... a nice segue yes. to this. Tim's got a very big announcement this morning. Uh, you are launching a, a new shopping holiday called DTC Friday. Direct to consumer, yes. right? That's the announcement. Yes. But also, this is about disintermediating to some degree the platforms. Yeah, it's really about having an alternative to the platforms. And so today we're announcing we have 120 companies that have joined together for DTC Friday. And all of these companies are direct to consumer companies that essentially try to sell directly to you outside of the directly going over the FANG platforms. Um, so we put together kind of a coalition of the willing. This started with us being here in February telling you we were going to invest in direct to consumer. We made some investments. In doing that, we recognize that there's a huge need for these companies. They have rising customer acquisition costs in the platforms. Right. They're getting a lower amount of data. So how are they? But how do you do it then? Yes. If you're not going to use the pla- any of these platforms, right. how do you reach the so we're, we're on. Uh, we're reaching 125 million consumers today. We're right. on 21 TV networks. We're in 170 out-of-home locations. Uh, we're dropping tens of thousands of print into people's homes, catalogs, um, and then we're using digital platforms, but we're using d- a different form of the digital platforms by, putting, by putting content on them. So we're using influencers, okay. uh, and we're doing a lot of things in, but in no video today. But no classic traditional, I mean, if I pick up my Instagram today, yes. or Facebook, yes. 
A fraction of that. The majority of it is everything is basically either offline um, or it's uh, online but using content. And then underlying, the second announcement we have today is uh, we're launching Flowcode, which is actually a technology platform that will allow consumers online and offline to go directly to the brands they like. It basically, we're starting with flow codes are essentially juiced up QR codes, um, but there's a lot of technology we've been building underneath them. So we will connect. Uh, we've connected people in all 50 states in 30 different countries already, just in the beta version of Flowcode. So if you see direct-to-consumer Friday ads from partners like Roan or Vineyard Vines or Margot Shoes, you'll see Flowcodes on, on that content and on those ads, and you basically are able to go directly from a brand directly to their you know, web property to buy the product. You know, I, I think about Nike this week making big yeah. news, saying that it's, it, it's not going to be selling its wares on Amazon anymore. It wants to go direct-to-consumer. Would you eventually have big brands like that that come into the picture, or do they not want to pay you a middleman cut of any of this either? No, Becky, you hit on something really big. When Nike came out this week and said they weren't on going on Amazon, this is something we've been talking about for the last 10 months. Mm -hmm. um, so we saw that as a really, really big moment for Nike um, overall. But two is we, we have big brands testing our platform right now. We have one of the largest CPG companies in Europe. Uh, t testing flow code and, and being part of DTC Friday. So I, I just I mean that yeah. these big platforms, I know, take a pretty hefty price, and they don't get the data that comes through. Right. What, what do you offer the same sort of access? to? I'm, I'm assuming you charge less and you give them all the data. Up front. Yeah, so we, um, we try to be lower in customer acquisition costs in the platforms, uh, and two is we share the data back with them in a very privacy-protected way. So when you look at GDPR, and CCPA, which happened in California, we've built our entire company uh, on the premise that we're going to move our, the customers we have from being in the platform space into an ecosystem space. So if you think about the platforms today in the United States, right. it'd be the equivalent of NASDAQ and NYSC being the most important, most valuable companies on those exchanges. That's what the FANG companies are. We want to move everything out to the edges. We're, we're going to run out of time, but do, yeah. you, do you expect companies to move off of the Amazons of the world long term? I think if they have the option to go direct, they're going to go direct. I, again, you had one, you know, look at what Disney's done with Disney Plus, look at what Nike's done this week. Right. Um, the direct-to-consumer movement will be the replacement for the retail issues and commerce issues that are going on because of the platforms. And again, I, I think it's a it's a mega trend right now. I'm in it every day, and I see it, and I was at the beginning of the Internet. I think this is another mega trend that's starting, and I think the Nike announcement is just the tip of the iceberg that's right. going to happen for direct-to-consumer. Okay. And, you know, right. please shop today on Direct-to-Consumer Friday. You can go to directtoconsumerfriday.com or dtcfriday.com, and uh, go to flowcode.com, and we'll give you technology to connect directly. Okay. Tim Armstrong, thank you. Um, Did you move? Do you live in Cincinnati now? Do you want me to live in Cincinnati? You didn't, you didn't move. No, I'm, in, okay, I'm living okay. in Connecticut. So, all right. Why? Because I, I saw you, you were talking about Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati. no, yeah, we, we did some stuff in the Midwest with uh, direct-to-consumer. We did Indianapolis Women's Marathon and, and other things. And uh, so, I know, our team is parked in 45 grand itself. Oh, all right. And, uh, so, we were great so you team. still paid a lot of taxes. Yeah, yeah. more and more every day. <laughs> Next on Squawk Pod. Taylor Swift's bad blood with record executives boils over to Wall Street. I can imagine as an artist, if the creative one, if you've written something, right. if you've done something, if you've yes. created it. You want it to be yours. You want it to be yours. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. 
a second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. Three, two, one. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, uh, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Taylor Swift's public feud with the music executives who own her mastered records is boiling over. She said that Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun are exercising what she calls tyrannical control and won't allow her to perform her old music at the American Music Awards later this month. That's where she will be honored with the Artist of the Decade Award. In a social media post, Swift also said that they refused to allow her old music to be used in a Netflix documentary about her. Swift has said that she plans to re-record copycat versions of her songs next year to regain control, but they are trying to prevent that as well. She says, the message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up or you'll be punished. She's asking fans to help intervene, and she says she is especially asking for help from the Carlisle Group. The Carlisle Group put up money for the sale of her music to those two men. I put some pressure on Rubenstein and others at Carlisle. Um, get angry Taylor Swift fans right. pouring in over the switchboards and through the email. So I don't know how to feel about this. I, I, I remember when it happened, you, you, you were very empathetic and you were very sad. Remember you said, you're, and I said, you're sad, and you were very sad about the whole situation. No, so I feel terrible for her. Well, she says she never got the opportunity to buy it herself. Right. right. So I, do feel, I genuinely that's, feel that's, terrible that's for us. her. That, I think, is a terrible situation, right? right? At the same time, I recognize that she originally sold the rights to these things, to these people, their contracts. It was in the contract. She was a lot younger at the time. Right. That's the type of stuff you get rolled when you're younger. I, mean, I, I don't disagree. But then the question is sort of what are you supposed to, how is this all supposed to, what, what's, well, what's supposed to happen? Well, and these guys, these guys are being, like, Scooter Braun is particularly being a jerk about it. He is trying to twist the knife when it goes in with this. I mean. Right. But also I, she's trying to twist the knife on the other end, right? Sure. A little bit. She, she wanted to buy control of it. And right. he took, you know, I, I can imagine as an artist, if the creative one, if you've written something, right. if you've done something, if you've created yes. it. You want it to be yours. You want it to be yours. And by the way, she's not saying, I want them to give it to me. She wanted to buy it. And that, right. you know, so to, to have it to go to somebody who th- she thinks misled her right. and, and did not do right by her in so an earlier part of life would be particularly painful. Why I would have assumed the rational thing to be to happen right now is if she's threatening I'm gonna go make copycat versions of this. Right. And if you think you can do that legally, and I don't know enough about the law around these these kinds of songs, you would think that Scooter Braun would say, Okay, you know what? Let's have a new conversation. Why There's so we, much bad blood. Why don't we consider these two? why don't we consider selling this to you at 
I don't know if it's at a discount or not at a discount. But uh, even, that's if, even if you turn a profit question. on it, that, that would be the smarter move rather than to let this right. play out. Look, the, it, it doesn't play well any way around, but she's going to be able to garner more fans and more support than he right. is. He's got some other clients who are standing by him who are saying he's well, a good guy. And that's guy. the other question. If you're but an artist, why you want you to do business with, with because of what she's saying, if you're an artist, isn't this bad business for, for Scooter Braun? He's had, like, he's had some of his art, other artists that he represents stand so What by could Carlisle do? Is it possible Carlisle has any recourse? If, let's say they said, you know what, Taylor, you're right. We're going to help you. What could they do? I, they, they could call negotiate the, with they could him. Negotiate. They could partner with her. No, I know, but they, they've provided some of the money for, for Scooter. Scooter, right. To buy. Well, could they, they, could they call that? They they can't. Could, no, but they could call Scooter and say, look, we don't want to, we don't want to be in the middle of this. You've got to get, you got so to sell this thing. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's, you know, the question is, does David Rubenstein step up and do that? Is that, does David Rubenstein, is that, is his brand? I mean, this is very interesting when politics, or not politics, get involved, but where business sort of starts to use the pressure of the bully pulpit. So there's never enough T-Swift. The beat goes on to another conversation on Squawk Box today, this time with Eric Hirsch, vice chairman of Hamilton Lane, a private equity firm. P.E. giant Carlyle Group, which was founded by investor and philanthropist and Squawk guest David Rubenstein, put up the money for Braun and Borchetta's holding companies to buy Swift's early masters. Let's talk, though, about Taylor Swift. And why not? And how Carlyle gets in the middle of this. Look, I think you see she made a decision to sell. Now they own it. I think the simple answer is you've got to convince David that she's an American icon, no different than the Magna Carta, the Washington Monument. And that's what he does. He's all of those thumbs. Right. And he should, for that. What? he should do what? He should call up Scooter Braun oh. and say, look, you're going to sell the rights back to her at a discount? This feels like an unwinnable situation for all parties. She is a beloved public feature who has a tremendous amount of support. So I'm sure they can work out a deal somehow. Is it bad for, for Carlisle? Does it matter? I think this is just constant noise. I think this is an asset class that just is surrounded by kind of constant noise, and it's always easy to find sort of the negative angle on why private equity is bad, why private equity is evil. She gets the rights to, to do this. It's a year too early for her to perform it at the... Something loosens up next year, right? right? So if she's able to... And then if she I saw, I saw both it, it, camps on Twitter. Uh, I saw defenders of, right. of Taylor. I saw defenders I, of... I, starts, I will admit I actually read through all this when it first broke because I was interested. But if she's able to re-record all the songs in a copycat mode, that means it completely devalues what right. these That's other folks true. have. So that, that might not be... Uh, right? But then the question is if you're... A, okay, then it'll get interesting. If you're a Spotify or an Apple Music, who are you buying from at that point? Mm. Meaning, are you buying the copycat song, the, the, the new well, recording? Right, and are risking buying, alienating her and ticking her off for all of her Or are you buying, by the, by the way, but or are you going to tick off Scooter Braun and all of the artists that he represents? This is how, why Nobody it's so interesting and complicated. Okay. That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you listen. Buy that house up near the Kennedys when she was with that kid. She had the uh, disc jockey for a while. Huddleston, Harry Styles with the hair, too. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys.
Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.